0: me back. Norm asked me to come and fill in for him while he was on vacation, but um, sounds like he's um you once again, um, and uh, share uh, God's word together. Um, scripture reading will come from uh, John chapter 16, and uh, we're going to be reading from verse 16 to 33. Jesus went on to say, in a little while you will see me No more, and then after a little while you will see me. At this, some of the disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they Wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, Are you asking one another what I meant when I said in Penborn, while the world rejoices, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child has born, been born into the world. So so it is with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again. And you will rejoice, and no one will take away your skin. You will receive, and your joy will be complete. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will know, saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me, and I believe that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the, the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking Clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Do you now believe, Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered, each of you, to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This is the word of God. So, uh, this is the tail end of uh, Jesus' words to his disciples in the upper room, um, which is uh, several chapters long. um, And it kind of forms the the centerpiece of the gospel of John. And um, um, after everything that they've been through together, Jesus has this one last time to spend a few hours with the disciples before he gets arrested and crucified. So, as you can imagine, Jesus is very deliberate uh, about how he's going to spend these last few hours of peace with them. So, he has the Passover dinner with them, and uh, we now call this the Last Supper. Um, And then he washes the disciples' feet, and he has this long discourse that we find in these chapters. Now, if you knew that you only had a few hours to spend with uh, the people that you love the most, what would you say to them? And I'd imagine that you would want to tell them how much you love them and how they should uh, be strong and uh, live life to the full after the, and uh, to be able to manage um, after you're gone. Um, and that's exactly what Jesus was doing. In these chapters. Um, he, because uh, one of the things that he says is, I am going to, after I am gone, I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit will be your comforter, your counselor, uh, your paraclete. Um, in order to teach you uh, the, all the truth. But not only teach you, but to comfort you. And to strengthen you. Uh, he, that the Spirit will be my very presence with you. Right? Um, so, so he's telling them these things to strengthen them. Um, and uh, and uh, he's uh, foretelling that uh, the Spirit is going to come to be Jesus' very presence with them, even when he's gone from them physically. And so in this final part of the discourse, Jesus wraps up one, and uh, prepares them for what's about to come. Um, and uh, so he ends in verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me, you might have peace in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. now it 's a, it's a, it's a very comforting kind of a, uh, kind of words, but um, if you look at this closely, this, there's a lot of contradictory kinds of things that 's mixed in together in what Jesus is saying, because he's saying, "Be encouraged, and you will have peace at the same time he says, you 're going to have trouble." You will experience hardships. Um, and uh, so, there's a, um, what, what is Jesus saying to the disciples? And what is Jesus saying to us? Let's try to unpack these things together, shall we? So, the first uh, point that uh, we, we want to look at is, um, there is such a thing as false peace. Jesus promises his disciples peace. But it's not like any peace that we usually expect. Certainly, it's not the kind of peace that the disciples were expecting. In our passage, we see the disciples and they're not at peace. Uh, They're confused. They're confounded, at, and at uh, what point they're murmuring amongst each other. They're whispering amongst each other. Um, it's kind of like what when students um, get into a, a really hard calculus class and they don't understand what the teacher is talking about, and uh, so they're like, what? Uh, "So, so that's what he's, uh, that's what uh, uh, they say. What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand. <laughs> we don't get this. What is Jesus? Jesus is confusing us, and the things that Jesus is saying is." that they will weep and they will mourn. He says they're not going to see him for a little while. So even when Jesus is speaking clearly and they said, oh, now you are making things clear. Uh, And you are in fact telling us that you are the Messiah uh, instead of speaking in riddles. At last, now we believe. And uh, Jesus tells them, no, you don't. (laughs) You don't get it. You don't understand, even if I speak plainly to you, because in just a little bit, you're going to scatter. And you are going to leave me all alone. You, you say that you understand, but you do not. And uh, so, inner peace is a rare commodity these days in our world. And uh, oftentimes, uh, we think that money is going to get us in her peace, but it cannot. money can't buy it. Um, Present-day U.S. is the wealthiest society in all of human history. Um, there has never been a society more powerful with more accomplishments or innovations with an amount of wealth that literally breaks our imaginations. Give an example. According to Forbes, there are now... 2,668 billionaires in the world, and of those, U.S. has 735, which is up from 424 10 years ago. And somebody did a calculation back in uh, 2019, and uh, so that's, you know, is outdated now, uh, and found this a little factoid. An Amazon worker working, earning the $15 minimum wage would need to work about uh, 597,412 hours, or 12, 24 hours a day, for about 68 years, just to earn what Jeff Bezos makes in one hour. Right. That is staggering amount of wealth that we are talking about. That in our society, yet study after study has shown that anxiety, depression, emotional and mental health crises have skyrocketed the pandemic the war in ukraine political divisions economic turmoil all of these things have accelerated uh, emotional crises but our lack of peace has been reaching crisis levels even before that our world tells us if only we attain a certain level of success if only we accumulate a certain amount of comfort maybe have the means to move away from certain people who rob us of our peace and surround ourselves with our kind of people, maybe even gain the power and influence to defeat the kind of people that we disagree with or gain the power and influence to shape the world according to the way that we see fit, then we'll be trouble-free. Then we'll have peace. But the more we go down that road, it seems, the less peace that we actually have. But less peace that we seem to enjoy. Jesus promises us peace, you see, but the way of Jesus to that peace is completely different from the way that this world goes about trying to attain peace. Jesus tells his disciples in John 14:17, My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Jesus is saying that we might be pursuing a false kind of peace. It's like a mirage of peace. You, know, you run and you run, and then you finally think that you get there, but it actually is nothing. It's a, it's a trick on the eye. Uh, Jesus wants to save us from that way of living because he knows it's a dead end. You try and try, you spend your life pursuing peace that way, but in the end, you'll be left with no peace. Jesus has another way, but it's counterintuitive. It's not... Even popular, even among Christians, it's not popular. Why is that? Because Jesus' way of peace leads us into trouble. So let's, that's our second point. Um, how does trouble and peace relate to each other? Jesus spells it out here in verse 33. He says, I have told you these things so that in me you, might, you may have peace. And he follows that up with this. In this world, you will have trouble. I want you to see this. This is a chief stumbling block for the disciples. Throughout all of the four Gospels, we see the disciples constantly had trouble with what Jesus was saying to them, where Jesus was headed, and he was headed to the cross. You see, they they expected Jesus to sweep into power, throw out the bad guys, and establish his empire, and bring in victory, right? Right? And, that, and then we can have peace. We will have peace when, when we win. <laughs> and uh, that, that's why we see them arguing about who's going to sit at Jesus' right hand and who's going to sit at Jesus' left hand when he comes, finally comes into the kingdom. That's why Peter, right after he makes this great declaration of faith, and he says, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And, uh, and Jesus pronounces, upon this rock I will build my church. The very next thing Jesus says to them is, I am headed to Jerusalem to be handed over to the priests, and, uh, and I am headed to the cross. And Peter says to him, never, Lord. This shall never happen to you. What does Jesus say to, to him? Get behind me, Satan. This is not the way of the kingdom of God. This is not the way to have true peace. The disciples, in other words, are just like you and me. They were looking for Jesus to be triumphant, successful, influential, and bring us along into his triumph and success. They were not counting on the cross. When we come to Jesus, we are often very much like the disciples. When we hear Jesus saying, I have overcome the world. We say, great, <laughs> great. Jesus came to fulfill all of our wishes and make our dreams come true. Take away our troubles. Give us a blessing so that we can live our best lives now. But Jesus is terribly confounding. He simply doesn't settle for being our genie. He didn't overcome the world so that we can live comfortable lives or so that we can move up in the world. He didn't overcome the world so that God's people could gain the upper hand in this world and Christianize the nation like the disciples expected him to. We call this way of thinking triumphalism. But Jesus' way is the way of the cross. In fact, in the Gospel of John, there are several times when Jesus looks forward to... The time when he will be lifted up, you know, there is, he says this several times. When the Son of Man is lifted up, then he will bring, he will draw all people to himself, and um, and the disciples and us, you know, it, to 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 us, it sounds like coronation. Right, you know, you, the, the king gets uh, marched up to the throne, sits on the throne, and the crown, is crowned, and uh, you know has a victory parade through the throughout the city. And uh, when Caesar does this, people throw you know um, garlands at him and uh, and say say hail Caesar. And that this is kind of what 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 uh, they're thinking about, and this is what we are expecting sometimes. But Jesus turns that on its head, because what in fact he means is he will be lifted up, but on a cross. You see what Jesus is saying, the moment of Jesus' highest glory is not in vanquishing the enemy or in sitting on the throne in Jerusalem and reestablishing God's rule in Israel, but in giving himself in love and sacrifice and service, even to the point of death on the cross. That is God's highest glory. Jesus' highest glory. The Gospel of John portrays the disciples as not getting it because how could they? (laughs) We don't get it either. How is this possible? How is the cross supposed to be peace? How is the cross supposed to be glory? It's an upside-down kingdom. No wonder they don't understand Jesus. But I think there are some illustrations here that can help us to get it a little bit. It does a little bit better. Um, So I I run avidly. um, And um, when I talk about the runner's high to people who who haven't run uh, seriously, they kind of look at me, sideways. (laughs) sideways. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they kind of sometimes say, you know, that's a myth, isn't it? Runner's eye. I, I mean, you know, all I know about running is that it's just agony. It's, it's pain. And, uh, you know, I tried it. All it gave me was just, <laughs> it, I was exhausted. I was uh, in terrible pain. I, I hated it. It was a terrible experience. And, you know, so it's true <laughs> in some ways that running involves pain and agony and struggle and exhaustion and blisters under your toenails. But after you have been struggling and after you have been exhausting yourself and training for a while, at some point during a random run, when you don't even expect it, out of the blue, there it is, you're expecting, you're experiencing the runner's high. You know, because uh, you're, you're, you are you are straining, yes. You are working, and, uh, and you're, but you are doing it. Your your strides are easy, and uh, you're breathing easily. And uh, you, somehow your mind has drifted off to somewhere. You're not even paying attention to 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 what's ha- what's happening. And um, so so um, you see, you're experiencing peace in the midst of the struggle. That gets a little bit better at. The kind of peace that Jesus is talking about here. Uh, And very different from the kind of peace that you get by spending too much time on the couch and eating too much junk food. (laughs) Jesus wants to lead us from our faith in him as a wish-fulfiller or a genie who gives us the life of our dreams of comfort and privilege. And he wants to lead us into a life of real discipleship. That will take us into a life of service, into a life of sacrifice. Exertion, even trouble. Jesus is not Caesar, you see. Uh, He's the Lord who went to the cross because of his love for us, and he wants us as his disciples to follow him in the way of the cross. Here's the third point How do we gain the courage then to live through trouble? Um, Notice how the disciples respond when he gets arrested, as Jesus predicts in verse 32, they're going to scatter. And they will leave him alone, all alone. Yet Jesus says, I am not alone, for my Father is with me. How could Jesus say, take heart or have courage when the disciples were going to face kinds of trouble that they really were not ready for? (laughs) They don't have the strength to withstand this. Because after Jesus is raised from the dead, he's going to send them his spirit, just as the Father was with him to strengthen him in the hour of his greatest need. Uh, my sons are Harry Potter fans, so sometimes uh, we go through, like, Harry Potter marathon, you know, when there's an extended weekend or something. And, uh, uh, and the, uh, the, the last one, um, uh, The Deathly Hallows Part 2... Um, uh, there's a scene, if you know the story, towards the end, that Harry must face his enemy, Voldemort, and give his life willingly to, uh, to Voldemort. And, uh, you know, there's not a lot of mystery who the Christ figure is in these stories. <laughs> um, you know, and this is the only way to defeat Voldemort, because, you know, the piece of Voldemort is in Harry, and uh, so, so he needs to give it his life. But as he's on his way, Harry's afraid. And that's when his dead parents and the uh, people who are closest to him appear to him. And they assure him that uh, they're with him and they will have always been with him. And uh, so, so Harry, that's how Harry gains the strength then to move forward, goes on to fulfill his mission. And that is the kind of strength that we need in our times of trouble. Because that's the picture of what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is always with the Father, but he was sent into the world because of God's love for the world. And after he goes to the cross and is lifted up and then is raised from the dead, Jesus promises to send his disciples the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit lives within us and provides us with the very presence of Jesus. And that's how we have the understanding and the strength and the peace to follow Jesus wherever he leads us, to love the world. To serve the world as, God, as Jesus loved the world, even if it means that we go through trouble. The Father, Son, and the Spirit will be with us and will never forsake us. And that's what gives us the courage, you see, to live through the troubles that we're going to face in this world. The early church knew about this. Um, the Christians were not known for their political power or their intellectual prowess or their wealth. They were known because they embraced a the life of service and sacrifice. They took in orphans and widows. They looked after the poor. They were known even for the way that they endured persecution and death. They were. There are numerous accounts of how Christians get rounded up and be fed to the lions or be burned on a bonfire in the circus. But what got people's attention was the love that these Christians showed to one another as they prepared for death. They embraced each other. They sang hymns. They kissed each other to express their love for each other. They strengthened each other in their hour of trouble, you see. Because they had already experienced receiving from God this kind of love to give them strength to live through the trouble friends the same spirit of jesus that these christians had is available to you also you you too can have that kind of peace that kind of courage that kind of fellowship with god and the spirit of jesus leads you into a life of service and sacrifice of love in this world just as jesus was sent into the world on a mission of love There will be trouble in this world. Yes, but take heart. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. Jesus was lifted up to the cross, and he is risen, and he has overcome the world. So we do not need to seek power, or privilege, or wealth, or people's approval, or conquer others who disagree with you in order to gain peace. Jesus has already given you peace. It's a peace that this world does not understand. It's a peace in the midst of the storm. I once heard... uh, story of a young girl who developed brain cancer. And the parents and the younger sister watched this girl as first she struggled with walking because she was losing her motor skills and then was bedridden. And finally, she passed away. And after she was gone, the family started finding little notes that she left behind for them uh, all around the house. And They found them in their pockets. They found them in their sock drawers. They found them among letters and papers and hidden behind furniture. It was uh, usually something along the lines of, Mom, Dad, Gracie, that's the younger sister, I love you so very much. They would literally find them all over the house. And the family started going through the house looking for these notes. Like they were treasures. And still, after they thought they found everything, these notes would would, uh, pop up in the most unexpected places, the most unexpected times. Uh, Every time, it was a delight. Every time, it was a reason for them to celebrate the love. What really got me were some of the notes that she left her younger sister. It would usually say something along the lines of, Go, Gracie, go. Cheering her little sister on in life from even beyond the grave. Don't you see? That's what Jesus has done for you and for me. When he sent his Holy Spirit to the church, when you are going through trouble in this world, you are not alone. You have never been alone. You will never be forsaken. You need to hear Jesus cheering you on. You need to Look for those notes that he's left behind for you. He is cheering me on, and I need to hear him say, Go, Q, go, as I try to follow him in his footsteps of love, sacrifice, and of service. He is cheering you on as well. Can you hear him? Take heart. And let's follow him in the way of the cross. Let's pray. Jesus, send your spirit anew. Upon your people. For we need your strength. We need your courage. We need your love. We are tempted, Lord, to look out for ourselves, to think that we are all alone and we need to look after um, ourselves with our own methods and resources. But you are so much better. Your presence is what we need. Thank you that's already been given to us in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the risen Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Now I pray that we might love as well, that we might give of ourselves as well, for the sake of this world that you loved and uh, came to save. We pray for these things in Jesus' name.